This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Durenda. Hey everyone, thanks so much for coming back to listen to episode 56 with us. This is the Laravel News Podcast. Today with us, we have a very special guest, Michael Q, the Godfather music. It is <laughs> Mr. Ian Landsman, the godfather <laughs> of Laravel. Ian, thanks so much for coming on, man. What's going on, guys? Hey. Great to be on. Yeah, Ian is uh, notably the, are you the owner, president? What's your title at Userscape? Yeah, all those things. Owner, all those president. Things. CEO of Userscape, CEO. which is, uh, for those of you who Grand haven't Puba. listened to our, our previous episodes for the explanation for why Ian is the godfather, Ian kind of discovered Taylor in his early stages and for really almost sort of like sponsored the development of Laravel in those early years a little bit. And so, uh, yeah, that was, it was, it was actually sponsored with actual money. So it was actually <laughs> sponsored. So you guys <laughs> yes. had an arrangement where you, he would basically work for userscape and then like a week, a month or something like that was dedicated to Laravel development. Uh, yeah, it was kind of like it was the first three months he worked at userscape were all Laravel development. Like that was all Laravel three. First three um, months. Like, are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Cause we needed a bunch of stuff like, like he rebuilt eloquent caching events, the database schema stuff, like all that stuff was built then and Taylor was in this like I mean, I've never seen anything like it like it was I mean he was just like in some kind of fugue state and just like <laughs> churning out <laughs> insane amount of code oh that's hilarious uh, but yeah no and then after that it was like a lot of stuff we did was just kind of both like we're working on our stuff and things would get extracted out into Laravel and it was actually really cool because it just you know gave him like real apps that were kind of bigger and that he could then you know, extract things into the core, very similar, you know, in a sense to kind of like what they did with Rails and everything. So, yeah, so it was, it was cool. We did them, did Laracon US and the first conferences and everything. So, and we're still a big part of the Laravel community. And Eric, who runs Laravel News, still works at Userscape. So it's uh, Chris Fidal as really well. Cool. Doesn't Chris Fidal work at Userscape as well? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Service yep. for Hackers, he gave a talk on um, what did it, what was it? Scaling Laravel. This year? Yeah, mm. yeah, and he's got a Laravel course coming out, and is obviously all over the Laravel world. So it's uh, we're deeply entrenched into the Laravel community, and uh, it's awesome. I mean, it's just uh, worked out better than I ever would have imagined. It's like such a great community. Yeah, you know, it's like all these other open source communities. Like so many of them are bad that I've been a part of, and Laravel yeah. is just such a great community to be a part of. So yeah, so Ian can take great pride in the fact that he was, uh, you know, he was like the Kickstarter for Laravel before Kickstarter was probably even a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I think, I think Laravel would have uh, been huge regardless, but I, I think we did maybe help it kind of helped know, accelerate get there a little the bit faster. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A, little, a little acceleration there. Like, uh, I think that was because otherwise Taylor was just working out like nights and weekends and he had a baby and the whole thing. So I think, uh, I think that was, you know, worked out really well, uh, for everybody and yeah. for us too. Cause that's a whole, the whole reason I found it to begin with is I wanted like a better framework to do stuff in. And you know all the other ones I tried stunk for various reasons <laughs> that most people listening are probably well aware of, and so Laravel is like what I always wanted to use when I had nothing else to use, and now it exists, and that's awesome. So. Yeah. So HelpSpot yeah. is your your main product that you use Escape, right? That's yep. that's now on Laravel, or it's still in the process of moving completely to Laravel. Yeah. So it's the the version four that's out now is uh, like. 
sort of half on Laravel. Mm-hmm. And then version five, which we're working on now, will be like totally Laravel. There's still a lot of like things you wouldn't do in a brand new Laravel app just because there is a tons of like legacy business logic code. Not all yeah. of that's going to be reworked sort of a phase process here but um but yeah it's like using all the laravel routing and you know it's all it's it's a laravel app now whereas before it was a little more of like still help spots own internal framework with like some laravel stuff thrown in so you know you know when you have a big product with a lot of customers like takes a long time to make those transitions because nobody no the customers don't care right (laughs) they don't care easier for us to you know if it's in laravel so um, so, you know, you balance the, like, doing new features with, you know, kind of internal architecture stuff. But, yeah, no, that'll be nice probably later this year when that's out to mm-hmm. have it, everything on five will make a lot of things much easier. A lot of code just getting deleted, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so that's great. And that'll all move. You're moving to cool. a SaaS model as well. Is that the goal? Yeah. So, well, it's been on SaaS for a little while. That's actually what Chris Fidel primarily works on mm-hmm. um, at Userscape is HubSpot Cloud, we call it. And so uh, still the majority of customers are self-hosted where they download it and install it on their own servers. But um, ever-growing percentage are hosted on our cloud. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And it's, since it's a legacy app, it's not like built like a traditional SaaS app. So it's a lot of trickery in there, but um, basically everybody gets their own VM and That'd be kind of cool. We should really write it up at some point if we ever get time. Um, Chris <laughs> extracts parts of it and uses it in different places in his stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of out there in some forms. But, uh, but yeah, it's kind of interesting how it all works to make uh, make this 13-year-old app sort of work in the modern age. Yeah, nice. Yeah, we're doing the same kind of transition ourselves at the moment. We're um, our, our selling point to the business putting our internal CRM onto Laravel was it's going to make it easier for us to make changes for you. And so they were like, right. yes, just do it. They don't, they, they don't care about the specifics, but if we can roll out features faster and more reliably, then that's, that's all the business really cares about. And that's the important yep. thing at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. It's so much easier when it's on Laravel. Yeah. So in addition to HubSpot, you guys have a lot of kind of like Laravel specific things that you guys do. So you know, you guys did Laracon online again this year, second year in a row. Yep. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? And then I think I wanted to kind of loop back around. You guys have Lara Jobs and you kind of have a new thing called Lara Talent as well. So I kind of want to talk about yep. that today too. So let's start with Laracon online. How'd you think everything went this year? How was the feedback? I know you guys do that like net promoter score stuff. How'd that go? Yeah, awesome. Um, everybody really liked it. Uh, again, it was like over 70, I believe, in the NPS score, which is really great. And uh, all the talks, uh, the talks were even more well received uh, than last year, which last year were unbelievable. I don't think there was any this year below like a sixty or something like that, fifty-five. So people really loved it. Tons of great feedback. Um, yeah, it's always tricky. You know, kind of a theme of Laracons is that they're not entirely about Laravel, which is very different again than most open source conferences, where it's like the whole conference, every talk is about whatever your open source thing that conference is about. And so we've always taken a little bit of a different look at it and said, okay, like, you know, we got to have some good Laravel stuff in there, but then we also want to have different sorts of things because most software developers today are not only doing this one thing. And so how can we bring interesting information that maybe they don't have the time to go suss out on their own or haven't been exposed to. And so we had a number of those kind of talks this year too, which worked out really great. Um, like, a really de- heavy design talk, which 
you know that could go either way with a bunch of geeks but people love that design that was, talk. That was my um, favorite talk i think actually yeah i, I love that was the Steve first Sugar's one stuff oh my word <laughs> that was so the good. first one that i've actually had the chance to watch it's it's the only one that i've watched in full so far and i because i i tease steve because he expressed an interest to coming to speak at laricon au and i said well i don't know this is your first talk i want to see how that goes first so i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna use this, this as like your your audition tape but yeah, but yeah, he knocked it out of the park. I think um, oh, you know so you've got the the feedback for it. But after, I mean, I was I really wanted him to come anyway because it's as you said, it's that kind of Laracon feel is that you've got the Laravel talks, but you've got the things that sort of sit around it as well. So right. uh, I'm really happy that his talk went well. You know, happy for him that it went well, especially because it's the first time he's ever presented. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I'm really happy to be able to have him coming to speak for us as well. Yeah, he he'll be great, and yeah, I would say on Twitter for sure there was by far the most sort of commentary about his talk. Yeah, um, was really popular, and people I think, you know, I, I mean, I, as a programmer myself, I mean, I would always say like, you know, developers like just gray boxes. Like now, now you can make gray boxes yeah. with radiuses on the corners because they made <laughs> yeah. that easy, and but that's pretty much it, and. To, his tips are so like refined uh, down to the developer mindset of like there's just these little things that are not complicated. You don't really have to know a lot of design theory even to at least make something that looks reasonable instead of mm. just uh, you know obviously programmer yeah. <laughs> built. Yeah, so, he gives no, like he gives great. rules that uh, you know so much of design is people kind of have a. Um, if you want to like, it's a touchy feely sort of like it's an artsy thing, right? Like it's right. very subjective and it, it is to some extent, right? But Steve's tips always feel like they're objective. It's like, hey, if you've yeah. got a table that looks like this, try removing these borders and adding some padding. It's going to look better. And it's like, it does look better. Right. So like right. once you, you kind of go through, he has this moment that somebody can, kind of maintains for all of his Twitter posts that he puts up with like little UI tips. And so mm. literally the other day I was like working on a design. I was like, I wonder what Steve would have to say about this. So I started just going through the moments and like the little images right. and be like, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And like after I was done, I was like, it looks way better. Like, so it's just like prescription, <laughs> you know, really. It's, yeah. it's not like subjective. It like mm -hmm. literally applies to almost every design. It's like, oh yeah, some visual hierarchy with like text coloring and text size and bold and don't do this yeah. and do this. And it's like, uh. you just feel like it's a step by step. You're almost, it's almost like you're following a tutorial, you know? So yeah. I yeah. think you're right. Like it very much applies to the developers and the audience and, and they feel like, kind of empowers them like wow i can do this too like i can follow instructions right. you know and <laughs> yeah. make it look better so uh yeah it was really exciting to watch he did a great i job. think it helps that there is commonality around the kind of things that we as laravel developers are all making that they're all the, mm, the yeah. web apps so it's easy to apply those things yeah. but they're all very small things as you said remove the remove the borders and add some padding and things like that so you can apply them on their own and make things look good. But when you start yep. sort of stacking the, the Lego bricks together, it all, it all comes together nicely. Well, I think the way he presents it too in that way appeals to programmers a lot uh, as well because it's a very sort of like whatever. We were all sat there with our first programming book and like went through the tutorial yeah, and yeah. phased mm -hmm. in the steps. Yep, and step one, got, step two, right? You know, got a crud app at the end, right? That submitted a form. Yeah. And so it's similar to that where he's like, yeah, you start with this basic thing and this basic thing and this basic thing and this basic thing. And in half an hour, you've got something that looks, you know, reasonable and mm -hmm. that if you went to it yourself, you wouldn't be like, oh, it's disgusting if it was right. like some <laughs> other site you went to. So yeah no he he did a great job and he had like 200 slides or something too when i met you know i meet with each speaker beforehand 
and he's got and he, we were talking about it. I was like, holy cow, that's that's a lot of slides for like a forty five <laughs> minute talk. It, though, yeah, uh, but he did it. And it wasn't like he yeah, was. Yeah, it didn't feel it. like I mean, he knew what he was doing. No, I know it didn't at all. And uh, you know, since he was just showing minor differences and he was going through them fast, so it worked out really well. But I was a little I was a little nervous about that one, but it worked <laughs> out great. Very cool. Um, no, I was just gonna say, but uh, no, the event was awesome everybody was great that's not like you have 4500 people come to a conference and in real life when you do that it's just terrifying and horrible mm -hmm. in a lot of ways um not that i've ever run one that large in real life but i mean everybody's respectful and there was no you know we didn't have to kick anybody out of anything and it was just great like the laravel community is just such they're just sweethearts so it's uh, uh, it easy to run streaming and everything was really good too like so i felt like everything was a lot uh so i kind of had some connection issues last year and had a hard time finding mm -hmm. the link to get to the thing and everything right. was very like streamlined this year i felt like it was like oh i can log in and i yeah. can get my stuff and here's all the links to everybody's you know discourse login and everything and it was yep. super easy you just click the streaming link click this link here's the password Everything was seamless, so mm. bravo for that. I know that you guys probably thought a lot through just the the user flow for how do I yeah. get them to the stream, and it felt really good this year. Like I was in a panic a little bit because I had a um, I had a viewing party, and it was like you know five minutes before we were going to start. And I'm like, crap, I don't have it on the screen yet, and I had it up in like a minute and a half. So thank yeah, you very much awesome. for taking the time to do that. It was much appreciated. Yeah, it's amazing what you could do on the second year of these things. It's just mm. like you see the first year is like, oh my god, that was horrible. When we have like four hundred <laughs> emails of people yeah. who are like, where's the link for the, for the yeah. stream? And you're like, huh, yeah, this should be. We could do that better. And um, yeah, so Eric spent a lot of time. Like we talked it over. He did all the heavy lifting on building out the app for laracon.net and yeah the, having the app is just so huge because it's just like you can just be like okay everybody log in there and everything's there mm -hmm. and your digital swag's there and the chatting's there and the link's there and uh everybody knows where to go if they can't get in they can password reset and they're not trying to look through their email and it went to spam and all that stuff so it's super super easy and yeah that was great that's gonna make it so much easier too for like next year to just have that infrastructure there yeah be ready so yeah, well having the, more than the six weeks the planet worked really well as well yeah that's <laughs> true too yeah last year we did like throw it together at the last minute so having a nice four or five month month uh, chunk of time makes a really huge difference in planning something like this <laughs> how did the um because last year we had slack for for the you know the chat and the mingling and all that that was a bit yeah. overwhelming there was lots of noise and you know lots of chatter how did how did the discourse thing go this year around i think yeah so this year we used discourse so it's like a forum instead of slack and i think overall uh i liked it a lot better i think the only place slack has an advantage is slack does give you a little bit more of that sense of like holy cow like when you're in the hallway at a conference and there's just like thousands of people walking past you like yeah slack conveys that because you can't even read what's on screen because yeah. it's flying so fast <laughs> uh but so so in terms of that conveyance slack is is interesting but for every other aspect i think slack is way worse because you can't read what people are actually yeah. saying and people who aren't you know so many people aren't live at the event mm -hmm. and so they're coming to it later um, and like, you can't really go backwards through Slack, you know I mean? You can go back yeah, a couple screens, right, right. Yeah. but you, you can't like go back through the whole thing. Well, whereas 
on Discourse, you know, since it's more, it's set up as forum threads, like you can go through and people are still in there chatting and you could go read what was going on previously and it's all much more organized. Mm -hmm. So I think all that went um, really well. And then also Slack's not built for this at all in terms of like the administration of it. It's not really a nice way to add 4,000 people into right, Slack yeah. conveniently. Uh, whereas Discourse, super awesome. You just like hook up the login and to the Laracon.net app. We just had a little oauth type of thing and people just accounts are automatically created and so it was so much simpler uh to administer too and that was now that was a thing that did happen pretty late so i'm glad uh thanks to the discourse crew and uh coding horror and all those guys for uh, providing that for the conference because that made it so simple and that was something we had to put together kind of at the last couple minutes uh last couple days of the uh before the talk so yeah went really well Really well. Yeah. You, Michael, you can cut this out. Did you just say coding whore? A coding, a coding oh, whore? I should, we should cut that out. <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> coding horror, but I think it may not have. Uh, Jeff, what's his name? Jeff Atwood, I think, isn't it? Jeff yeah, Atwood, I yeah. I, yeah. I just teased it. I put, yeah, I texted well, we should cut it out. If it comes over as coding horror, let's, uh, let's cut that out. <laughs> We're very excited this week to be sponsored by Laristream. It's like Twitch, but for Laravel. Laristream is a live streaming service for all things pertaining to Laravel. If you've ever been interested in streaming your, your code while you work, or if you want to talk about your side projects or any packages that you've used, and how many times have you used a package that didn't work initially, maybe you could document that process. And there's even the ability to live stream podcasts and even your meetups from all around the world. The team at Laristream built it because like so many of us, they love Laravel. They use it daily and they have been going from version three all the way to version five. So over the years, the community has continuously blown the creators away from their willingness to push the framework to the max, going to the number one spot on GitHub now and giving the rest of us some amazing packages to integrate into our own projects. But something was still missing, another layer of social behavior that we can add even more value to an already amazing community. And that's where the live interaction comes in. So you can reach Laristream at laristream.com. It's super easy to get up and running. I've used it myself on a couple of occasions. So all you do is you publish your stream and code and talk as you would normally. There are a lot of plans for the future, including monetization of your channels where you can be paid to stream about certain topics, uploading video playlists similar to other services like Udemy. And you can even subscribe to channels so that you can get notifications when your favorite personalities are streaming. The service is currently free through its beta period and will eventually attract a nominal monthly fee. You can find Laristream at laristream.com and thank you once again to sponsoring the episode. All right, so where were we? All right, so uh, yeah, Laracon Online. Anything else we want to say about that before we wrap that section up, gents? No, I got nothing to add. Okay. Yeah, cool. thanks for putting that on again this year. Uh, it was really fun. I'm looking forward to having another viewing party next year. This year, the weather was pretty crappy for us, and so we actually had like uh, three, let's see, three or four people actually had to cancel... Uh, for various reasons. So I think we would have had a really actually pretty decent sized crowd at my office otherwise. So I'm looking forward to having that again next year and I'll put the call out there and see how many people we get. So a lot of fun though. Yeah, the viewing parties are really awesome. I think that's just like, that's the thing that happened last year <clears throat> that we didn't expect and never even considered. And then people just started doing it and it's like, holy cow, like, that's a genius idea. <laughs> and so uh, this year we like had a spot on the website for them and I think there was like 20 or over 20 that were yeah. publicly like published and then I'm sure there was others. So I would like to even f find a way, like next year since we'll have a little more bandwidth, <clears throat> like we have all the infrastructure stuff done that's one of the things I would like to maybe put a little thought into is how we can 
make that easier for people or I don't know, send swag or something. I don't know, like do something to mm. encourage even more of that. So I haven't had a chance to think too much about it yet, but it's on my list of things to uh, give some more thought to over the year and see how we might encourage those. Cause it just seems like a really cool thing to get people together and have that shared experience. It was fun. It felt like a little mini, uh, little mini conference, you know? Right. Cool. Exactly. All right, so let's talk about um, Lara Talent a little bit. So I know you guys, how many, is there, there's a couple things that you guys have Lara prefixed with. So you guys have Lara Jobs. Right. So talk yep. to me, tell me what Lara Jobs is. Give me the elevator pitch for that. So Lara Jobs is a, a traditional job board focused on Laravel and PHP developers. Okay, and then Lara, Lara Talent is different in, in what way? So Lara Talent is basically a reverse job board. So with a job board, right, like employers are posting jobs and then developers are sending in resumes and applying. Lara Talent, we go through and select a handful of developers each week and we feature those developers oh, cool. to a bunch of employers who we have signed up. And so we say, okay, like here this week is, uh, let's say 12 developers that we think are really good across a you know, across a range of skill levels, like it's not just all senior developers, but sure. um, range of skills. And we say, okay, look, these 12 we think are, are really good. And then, so then you'll have, you know, hundreds of employers uh, who will be just looking at those 12 that week and, uh, you know, then contacting them to make, do, have interviews and, and all that. So um, wow. I know, I'm What's... pretty optimistic about it. Yeah. Have you... Is it launched already? Everything's up and running? Yeah, it's just about launched. Um, by the time this is out, probably will be launched. It's launched in the sense of uh, developers can apply to be featured and employers can apply to be to receive the featured developers. So all the, that stuff's there. Um, the first uh, group of featured developers hasn't gone out yet. That'll happen next Tuesday. Uh, so in a few days from now, 20th, I guess that is. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited for that because that'll be the first... You know, that'll be the first time where we've selected a group of developers to feature and then kind of see what the employers think and how many of the developers get contacted and uh, all that kind of stuff. And it's still, you know, it's very early. The only people, you know, there's already over 120-something companies, I think, that have signed mm -hmm. up wow. uh, to receive it. And uh, so, you know, I mean, there's making sure we have enough developers is going to be a challenge. And I'm being pretty strict, of course, with who we feature. So that's part of the challenge of it all. But I think if we can get it a good flow going there that, you know, it's going to be a really interesting opportunity for developers because, you know, a lot of developers don't understand really how it works or you f just feel the, you understand only a, a certain aspect of it, but from the employer end, you know, both sides of it stink right now is the, is the moral of the story. <laughs> like if you're the developer and you want a new job, like you're firing off resumes right. into the ether, like you yeah. don't ever hear back. Uh, and then that discourages you from doing a good job, which is the other yeah, downside. Yeah. Like yeah. you might like have your resume set up okay, but you don't do a cover letter or you just send a generic mm -hmm. cover letter because you're like, whatever, this is like the 50th job I applied to and I yeah, don't hear and you're back, not so I'm not going to. Right, you're not going to put that effort in, but then when you don't put that effort in, like it comes through as somebody who doesn't put that effort in, mm -hmm. and I'm more likely to not want to interview you in that case. So, so it's bad for the developer, and then it's bad for the employer because you put even on even on Lara Jobs, right? Like you put a job ad out, and you get several hundred responses. 
but you know you get like consultancies and overseas shops and or people who don't do cover letters and or people and then you get right <laughs> then you get a bunch of people who don't do cover letters and a bunch of people who are like you know I'm super skilled with like some Z's and L's and things. it's like I'm web skilled so, right so you're just like tossing out like, that's a ton of work on the employer side to just filter through 200 resumes to get to the like 20 that yeah. even are reasonable at all so so that's bad for them and so this is i think in theory if it works should be win-win in that the employers only have a you know a small number of pre sort of vetted developers that they have to look at and they can like really pay attention to them and look more carefully through their resume and the other information we asked for and then on the flip side on the developer side it's like okay if you can show us your communication skills and you know show us why you know you deserve to be featured then when you're featured you're getting access to these hundreds of employers all at once so okay nice. so the big question yes so this is basically shifting the burden onto you guys to do the vetting right right how much of yeah. a role does laravel certification play into your uh, featured developers yeah that's an interesting question so i've talked to them a little bit about it and i think we'll definitely do something there i didn't want to like tie that too tightly day one this is a couple different levels too right so there's like we're uh you know filtering and vetting uh initially so certainly if we see that that's going to be a factor we take uh, into account um, but then i think there could be like another level where it's more directly integrated like you can put in like when a developer applies they could um, give us you know the id number we have some kind of authentication that yes they are yeah. um, certified so and then we could have like obviously some kind of like icon or whatever next to their name so that's the part i didn't want to get in that deep with it yet just like pre-launch because pre-launch it's like all yeah. crazy and i just want to see if like the, can the idea even stand on its own but i think that as we get a little bit farther in here that uh like i said i've already talked to them a little bit so i would think that's something that's going to happen um in the not nice. too distant future because it makes sense and and i also think there might even be a beyond that because to me like lara talent certainly like we give it the lara prefix and uh but the lara prefix is great because it makes sense to the laravel community but also it's not then beholden to only the laravel community mm -hmm. and so i i see it even initially as like just broad-based php developers sure and then it could even be bigger than that of course into other uh, markets and programming languages and things but so yeah, so I mean, you could have like the Zen certification, right? Or you could have oh sure, sure, yeah, whatever crazy yeah. JavaScript certifications there are, or whatever. <laughs> so there are different possibilities there too. And certifications are a little bit like certifications are never going to be the thing that gets you the job. Like that's sure. an, a plus uh, mm -hmm. versus someone who doesn't have it. But um, but yeah, anything you, you can do to help just show that you have the baseline programming chops is always good. And I kind of view that, I mean, that's even another thing we can discuss is like programming sort of skill level and everything and modern software development. But to me, like, that's like the baseline is like, you have to have the software skills, or, you know, the coding skills, but that's in a lot of ways, especially since a lot of these jobs are remote, it's kind of even, it's not that it's secondary, but it's not as important as I think most developers think, which is that being the very best software developer is the most important skill. And I don't, yeah. I don't think that's really true um, mm. to a lot of companies. Interesting. Yeah. Well, especially now with a lot of businesses being remote, right? It's all about communicating. Right. You can't yeah. like in, when you're in 
in your dark room in an office and you're just cutting code, people see that you're in there and you're working, but when and, and they can come in and they can ask you questions, how are you doing? Where's this yeah. at? That kind of stuff. But if you're remote, no one sees you, no one knows what you're doing for eight hours a day. Right. You you could very well be doing nothing. So yeah, communication more and more now is you know, I mean communication has always been important, but I think it's really starting to come to the forefront more recently. Yeah, totally. And it's it's so there's like that base level of are you even working, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like you have to be able to communicate you're even working and all that kind of stuff. And then there's like just to build great software, like so much of that is communication based and kicking ideas around and can you express yourself and can you explain what you're thinking about a problem or a solution? And you know, so many software jobs now in you know, the old days, a lot of software jobs were at big companies and that's a certain type of development. Like you might be responsible for literally one class. Like this is your class and you're responsible <laughs> for it with your team. And okay, like all we care about is like, you're really good at this one class and you understand all its ins and outs and whatever, or this one subsystem. But especially in our world and who our talent is focused on and our jobs even, you know, those it's not that kind of job, right? It's gonna be the kind of job where you're a full stack developer, you're doing the front end, you're doing the back end, you're doing, um, you're interacting with the customer when they send in an issue and you have to go follow up with the customer and find out exactly what happened and what went wrong. Or maybe you're in a consultancy and you're working with the customer on building out their features to their spec and all that stuff. And so that's all, uh, like at Userscape, the developers work a lot with our customers. They're doing essentially customer service stuff a lot of the time. So if you can't communicate well, like how can I, I can't put you in front of the customers. If you're the developer I can't put in front of the customers, like that's not a developer I could hire at Userscape. Like there's yeah. no room for the developer who like has to be only in the dark room and can't right. interact with the other humans. Super like, siloed, yeah. Right, so, and I think a lot of jobs are like that these days. Like you need to have those skills. So that's where again, A, you have to have those skills and then B, uh, you've got to communicate that you have the communication skills, which is another thing like we first started the conversation, people sometimes fall short in that because they get discouraged or whatever. Um, but if you don't show that you have interest and you can research, like, you know, uh, you could research my company before you send me a cover letter about yeah. it or before we have our first interview that you've done research on my company to make sure you're prepared for the interview, mm -hmm. then those are definitely big negatives. That is... Um... I went through some interviewing stuff with new developers late last year and I don't envy the task in front of you now that you're taking on the burden not only of vetting the employers but also vetting right. the the developers. So how, I guess, how do you go about qualifying the good candidates, the ones that look like they can communicate that are the right skill set? Um, how do you, what what's the metric to get the 12 yeah. featured developers, I guess? Um, oh, one more thing too, real quickly. Yeah, too, is, um, you know, like kind of like the monetization structure as well. So like, does it, you know, mm -hmm. is this costing the developers? Is it costing the, the people who are looking to hire, you know, the, what am, what's the word I'm yeah. looking for? The employers, employers. right? Like yep. you guys are going to be doing a lot of work on this. So who is right. it that, you know, who's paying for it? Yeah, that's, let me start with that one. Cause that feeds into the second one. So definitely no, no cost to the developers. Um, totally free for the developers. And the employer is actually free for also until they want to contact a developer. So uh, they'll get like a description and a bunch of information about the developer, but they don't actually get their res resume and like email until um, they choose to like unlock the developer. Mm -hmm. And you can, you have access to so many unlocks uh, per week. That's pretty week. cool. Yeah. Well, the name, so, would they get the name as well? Because 
They won't get the name. Yeah, they'll cool. get a description like senior web developer, mm-hmm. um, but they won't. They want the name. Uh, and we'll see how that works. I mean, all, all this is like, it's like super experimental. There's only sure. one or two services out there anywhere that are structured like this at all, and they are, they have a key difference, which I'll explain compared to us in a second. Uh, so our monetization is trying to keep it very affordable. So I didn't want it to be like a a traditional recruiter, right? Is going to charge. 20% of the starting salary. So it could be, you know, 10,000 to 30 or $40,000 mm-hmm. depending on the job and where it is and everything. And so I definitely didn't want to do that. Um, so the, every, all the employers are actually getting it free for the first few months here during the sort of beta period. But after that, uh, or if they need more unlocks right away, there'll be plans, but the base plan's like 499 and it goes up wow, to like a couple really thousand good. depending on how long you want access for and how many unlocks. But, but yeah, so it's very affordable. I definitely want to keep it. I want to keep it like a vibrant community where like when those developers who are featured that there'll be a lot of employers who can contact them because to me, the developer end of this too, like I want to create that demand for the developers who are featured, right? Like I want the developer to have three, yeah, four, right. five, six, ten opportunities, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. To put them in a better position to get the job, you know, either the most money or the best location or uh, just the best gig with the best company, right? And give them options and not have it just be, again, like the traditional setup, which is, well, I sent a bunch of emails, one company got back to me, that's the interview I did, and that's the job I took because yeah. that's the one who wrote me back. Uh, so I think for developers, it's really cool if we can get them where there's a bunch of employers contacting them that's going to put them in a really good spot uh, to negotiate. So so I don't want it to be super exclusive on the employer end and really charge too much money. So that's where a big part of this is going to come down to is kind of interesting to the first part of the question is how do we vet? Because one of the reasons you charge $20,000 if you're a recruiter is because, well, it, theoretically, <laughs> you're doing a, a very heavy, heavy level of vetting, right? Like you're physically meeting with the person, you're having phone calls, um, you're Spamming doing all that them kind of on stuff. LinkedIn. Right, right, that's the reality, <laughs> right? But the, the, theoretically, they're doing a lot of research and vetting and stuff, and that's what you're paying for. So, so I, we can't do that, right? Like, I can't have a phone conversation with every single developer who applies because then I can't charge four hundred dollars for it. Then I have to charge twenty thousand dollars, and sure. I don't want to do that. So, and that so that's just part of what we're kind of experimenting with is can we do just enough like can we do enough vetting to make sure that the candidates are really good and then can we but not so much as to be cost prohibitive mm-hmm. so for the early days it's definitely not a hard metric because the other thing is i didn't want to do that because then you end up with that's why like people spam their resume full of keywords right well i got to get through the filter at lara talent so i put laravel and i put php and i put view and i put this mm-hmm. other thing and i know i'm going to automatically be featured like so you can't do that so it's really going to come down to a lot to like the quality of the cover letter that they provide definitely like the organization of the resume and all the traditional things i would look at experience level all those kind of things uh, just like writing quality and everything they've submitted you know there's other factors that are lesser like their locations uh, if you're in like a high demand location like new york or san francisco things like that but primarily it's gonna be that and i'm my sort of goal is to uh, build a series of metrics although they won't be hard-coded type metrics but uh, i'll definitely be building that sort of uh, series of, of things we're looking for in every submission um, and sort of refining that over time. So since I, I mean, I've hired lots of people and looked through a million resumes, 
but uh, sort of quantifying what I do uh, <laughs> when I do that and building that out um, as we go. So these early couple months will be a lot of that. And so that eventually, because right now it, it's going to be me reviewing your resume. Uh, yeah. So you can blame me if you're rejected or if you're accepted. <laughs> um, but obviously that's not going to be like long-term, won't, won't necessarily work either. So there'll be other people, if it's successful, who do that. But we want to make mm -hmm. sure we have that consistency there too. So That's a super great idea. I love it. Yeah, I think there's a definite need in the market. And really kind of what it is, is it's like it's, it's resume review as a service almost, you know what I mean? Like you're really yeah. kind of, you're doing all the vetting and at least kind of narrowing that list of 200 candidates down to like, here's 12 candidates that are actual people that you might want to talk to and give them mm -hmm. a call kind of thing. So exactly. Yeah, and I idea. think it'll be interesting for, I think it's win-win and I think that's going to be, you know, I'm hope, hopefully developers really take it serious when they apply. And so far, most of them have been, because I think the more really high quality developers we have, I think they're going to have, if this works the way I envision it, like they're going to have a lot of great opportunities. Like that's the part that's most exciting to me really is for the developer and for the employer end, I think it's going to be very useful because they don't have access to this talent pool and it saves them time. But on the developer end, to like have the options is something that a lot of people don't have. Like if you live in San Francisco, you might have options, right? But mm. if you live in Duluth or you live in rural Florida or whatever, you don't necessarily have a lot of options. Or you live in Canada or you live in wherever, some somewhere else. Uh, you Australia. Australia. <laughs> right? Australia. So you don't you don't have a lot of you have less options, right? So I think yeah. that a lot of times you might be stuck with the one or two jobs you can kind of find a way to get interviews with and eat you know i think that having that focused employer attention should give the developers some really good opportunities so that's the mm -hmm. experiment anyway that's my hope yeah cool i have one comment and one question and then and then we'll wrap this sure. one up in terms of the the employers i think the unlock strategy is cool because it means that you know, you don't have those employers looking at every single person and just spamming them arbitrarily. Yes, they really have to be exactly. sure that like, this is the person that I want to reach out to. This is the person I want in my company. So I like that perspective. In terms of the developers, I, do you provide feedback? Like if you get a resume or a cover letter or whatever, that's not that good. I know, you know, we're talking about being cost effective. I, is there some feedback right. that goes back to the developers that maybe don't have a resume or a cover letter that's quite right? I know, I've struggled with this one a lot. So what I, right now as it stands is when somebody is rejected, gives them sort of a like overview information about what we're generally looking for. Mm -hmm. um, so that they would be able to apply that against what they submitted and kind of realize like maybe where they went off the rails there. Um, yeah. I would like to have the ability to say, you know, here's a, a paragraph about why you weren't selected but mm -hmm. yeah I, that's where it gets into like is there i don't know time wise if that's yeah. feasible so i'm gonna see right now it's, it doesn't do that it doesn't go to that mm -hmm. level where i'm gonna say you know your cover letter had these errors and yeah. this was sloppy and you should really fix that because just time wise i don't know if that's possible i think once you get have a little more experience with doing it um mm -hmm. in this format that you know a month or two from now i'm gonna sort of relook at that maybe it's something where we could have pre-built things that could be more quickly selected because mm -hmm. a lot of times you do see the same sorts same of things, things yeah right over and over so which would be at least a little more personalized so i would like to do that um i don't know if it's gonna be possible but it's definitely one of the things i'm keeping an eye out for to see if we can provide that feedback because i do think it would be really nice to do that um, mm -hmm. for the uh, developers awesome 
Well, I think that's that's everything for me. Uh, Jake, you don't have yep. anything else? Nope, I'm all set. I, I love the idea, love the experiment, and look forward to hearing uh, hearing back on the results and, and what you guys figure out. Sounds like it's going to be going to be a lot of fun for the community and uh, hopefully very effective as well. Yeah, awesome. I think so. I'm, I'm optimistic. Well, thanks a lot for having me on, guys. Totally yeah, appreciate nice. it. Thanks, Ian, Jeez. for coming on. Um, last last question, as always. Uh, mm. Let's do top movie. I, I appreciate your movie, uh, you know, yes. your movie buff status. So sure, sure. I'm going to ask you for um, top pick for this last year. What was your favorite movie of the last year that you've watched in the last year? Uh, I'm going to have to say uh, in the last year, was Mad Max in the last year? I don't think so, right? No, that was, it was no, not. I, was I would say probably Logan. Oh, yeah, yeah that was good. Um, I did like uh, The Last Jedi. I don't know if I like it more than Logan, but I, I did like it. Um, I'm going to go with Logan. Okay. Nice. Good, good. Yeah. Good choice. Um, <laughs> the, the, Thanks, the, Ian. The cinematic cut or the black and white? The oh, the version. black and white is sick. I love the black and white. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, the black and white is, uh, is awesome. Same with Mad Max Fury Road. If you haven't seen that in black and white, the black and white version of that is unbelievable. But, wait, 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 uh, is yeah, that a black like, and white version of Logan? Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't know this. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It's oh, very awesome. Okay. okay. Uh, All right. So I don't, know, I don't know which one I like better. I like... I mean, the black and white just adds a whole other layer of like grittiness to it. So I guess I would probably say the black and white uh, in the movie theater. I obviously saw it in color, but uh-huh. yeah, black and white is amazing. Definitely check that oh, out if you haven't awesome. seen it in black and white. Nice. All right, Ian. I'll quit asking you about movies now. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do a movie episode. We movie do. Episode. We do. Yes. All right. We'll have to come over <laughs> to Bootstrap. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good, good call. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And last thing here, too. Um, for anybody who doesn't know how to follow you, how can we follow you and keep up with you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at Ian Landsman on Twitter, and uh, you can go to userscape.com. has like a list of all the different projects and things we work on. Awesome. Nice. Okay, Ian, thanks again for Laracon this year. It was awesome, and I'm sure we'll be talking soon. Later, guys. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. This concludes this episode of the Laravel News Podcast. If you like the show, please rate it five stars on iTunes. If you have feedback for the podcast, please email us at podcast at laravel-news.com. Thanks for listening.